Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Angrelon, and joining me, as always, is Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. Fellas, it's been a couple of weeks, uh, but glad to be back, glad to be podcasting again. How are we doing? It feels good to be back. It feels really good to be back. Excited to, I mean, it's crazy, but we are on the cusp of the Pistons and the NBA returning in a small form with training camp starting next week. So a little bit of extra energy to, to come on this week and, and glad to be back to talk Pistons. Yeah, Mike, I mean, I'm, I'm just happy you still remember how to pronounce my last name after like two and a half weeks away. <laughs> it's been a long time. So yeah. And, and uh, note to editor, uh, put in the welcome back Cotter theme song. As this intro starts, we need the we need to get people going. Either that or like celebration by Cool and the Gang. One of the two. I'm dude. I'm I'm happy to be back. Um, you know these are really like the dog days of of late summer. I guess technically we're recording on the first day of fall right now. Um, but yeah, this is always the toughest part of the NBA schedule. And luckily for us, we do have a few things to talk about after this little bit of time away. So I'm just excited to get into it. Let's let's fire up, fellas. So I'll just go ahead and break the wall and say we recorded a podcast. I recorded a podcast with Tim Forkin while you were all out and away and not able to record, and that audio was lost. So mm-hmm. we did have a podcast. It was just nuked into the ether. And I apologize for that. I I will I will take the uh, I'll take the L on that one. So some of these well, topics we are going to hit on are a little bit a little bit outdated, n- not irrelevant, but they are a little bit outdated, including the Seiko Duboya trade. Aaron, did you have something to say? No, I mean I was I was actually going to say, guys, I, I I have to have a mea culpa on this one. I actually hacked into the mainframe of the Palace of Pistons, uh, vast computer network. I heard the podcast with Tim. I was pretty intimidated. It seemed like it was going well. I needed to, to protect my standing on the podcast. So <laughs> I deleted it. Tim, I'm sorry. I just, I couldn't stand it. I'm a jealous, petty, weak man. And uh, you had to pay the price, unfortunately. I'm so sorry. Hacked into the mainframe with password 12345. Or <laughs> maybe, maybe the password was Stanley Johnson. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the password was uh, the password was Detroit Pistons 2021 Summer League Champs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. some password awfully quickly. <laughs> uh, well, we know the password's not Steve Blake, so <laughs> he was able to scratch that one off pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, shout out to guys. anyone that understands just how much that Steve Blake means to this podcast. If anyone's been with us that long, you are you are very much appreciated. Yes, and please send us a message or something. Uh, also, Mitch McGarry could actually be the podcast uh, password, <laughs> but who's to say? Who's to say? Fellas, let's get right into it. Um, some news since the last podcast that wasn't nuked by Jasper. Mm-hmm. The Pistons traded Sekou Dumboya, Jalil Okafor, um, to the Brooklyn Nets for DeAndre Jordan and four second round draft picks, as well as some cash, I, I, I believe, to help offset um, some of the encumbered costs from taking on Jordan. He was eventually waived um, and signed with the LA Lakers. Training camp invites Jamarco Pickett, Anthony Clark, and Derek Walton will be joining the team. 
And then Luca Garza's contract was converted into a standard contract. So the second round sharpshooter uh, will be having a standard contract this season. And before we move on to talk about some of this news uh, and other upcoming news for training camp, we just want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron and watching Aaron Jones smoke the Lions. As teams are back to start another football season, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests await. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. So, Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. And don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. Again, head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus and use the promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Sorry, Guys, here's, Jones here's, here's, thing. I was gonna say, here's Jasper's <laughs> lock of the century of the week. Uh, bet against the Detroit Lions. That's that seems like a pretty good bet for this season. Holy crap, that defense is bad. It's real bad. <laughs> Yeah, it's real bad. Uh, that makes up for Aaron Jones. Or Jamal Williams. He, yeah. Yeah, he, you know, he, he had the look in week one. Yeah. He, he looked viable. Too bad. Oh, well. Nothing like a, a, a matchup against the Detroit Lions defense to get Aaron Rodgers' career back on track. Good for him. Good for him. He needed it. Just what the doctor ordered. And just what my fantasy team ordered, too, with uh, Aaron Jones going off. Um, <laughs> Mike, are you trying to get me to say something? Because I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to. Oh my god! I I forgot that you were here, Aaron. I was not not trying to egg you on <laughs> in any way. We can go ahead and move right on to our first topic, which is just as fun as the Detroit Lions, and that would be the Pistons being interested in John Wall. That was reported by Mitch Lawrence of SiriusXM that the Pistons, Clippers, and Heat are interested in John Wall. It's also reported that they are not discussing a buyout for John Wall. So that would include uh, probably the Rockets sending, I don't know what you'd send for how much money is left on his contract and how injured he's been, but it's definitely something valuable uh, to get John Wall. Uh, Aaron, does that make any sense for the Pistons to go and acquire John Wall? Really doesn't feel like it does. I mean, you know, John Wall may still be a decent player, but the injuries, the money, the the fit with this team, considering that they already have a slew of young guards that are going to need time and, and minutes uh, on the floor to develop, it just really doesn't add up to me as to why the Pistons are a team named uh, to be interested in him. I, I don't think that John Wall's done having a productive career in the NBA. Like, I still think he can contribute to a team. But when you look at the factors that come alongside him, the money, the health, it's just not worth it, especially when you're in a position like the Pistons are in and you're young. Like, you have two potential point guards, but really a, a point guard and shooting guard combo that you're looking to build your team around. And John Wall would really not allow that to work. Um, I think maybe for a team like the Clippers, it would make a little bit more sense. Um, the Heat, who just got Kyle Lowry, I don't see how that works for them because, again, the money is just so severe. With John Wall, it would be really tough to make something like that work for them. But for the Pistons, the way I see it, you have Killian Hayes and you have Kate Cunningham. In theory, that would be your starting point guard and your starting shooting guard of the future with Kate Cunningham also being able to play point guard. Detroit also has another young point guard in Saban Lee, who, if you look at his summer league, looks like there's something there with him as well. So you have three young, we'll call them all point guards in this situation, on your roster, and I don't think it makes sense to bring in a guy like John Wall who's going to take minutes from them. And it just take opportunity from them while taking up a severe amount of cap space that really 
doesn't improve your team all too much. And it's not like the Pistons are lasered in on having to make the playoffs in this upcoming season anyway. And I, again, I don't even know if John Wall really would improve the odds of that all too much. Yeah. I, I mean like a young squad, like the Pistons trading for John Wall's bloated contract in 2021 is a lot like, like a 15 year old teenage, like a teenage boy having like a, a poster of Raquel Welch on his wall in 2021. Like, <laughs> yeah, both were great in their prime. But I'm pulling up Google right ago. now. I was going to uh, say, hey. Aaron, Aaron has no idea who Rock <laughs> Exactly. <Wall> my, <laughs> my point, exactly. Like, it doesn't make sense. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really get it. I think that that is – Troy Weaver has kind of uh, a little bit of a, like, predictable thing when it comes to, like, this NBA news cycle. It feels like the Pistons are always going to have their name out there for any sort of veteran, you know, that's trying to get traded from another team where they can maybe get assets from that team. Uh, that That's really like Troy Weaver's MO at this point. He's just trying to acquire assets if he can. Obviously, Tom Gorris doesn't mind eating a little bit of dead cap. And I don't have any issue with that as long as, you know, uh, the, the return is worth it and makes sense. And for me, trading for John Wall just doesn't does not make sense. You already have a glut of of ball handlers on the roster, uh, like Aaron said, with Kate Cunningham and Killian Hayes and Sadiq Bay. Uh, so for me, bringing in somebody like John Wall, who really is not going to be able to help you off ball, even if he was interested in playing in Detroit, which I highly doubt he is. So yeah, for me. I don't think there's much to it. It doesn't seem to make much sense. But yeah, I look, the only way I would consider it is like, are the Rockets willing to give me an unprotected first round pick and one of their draft picks from this year? Okay, I'll, I'll think about that. But otherwise, I don't really see how that helps Detroit's roster or really even helps with any of like the development of their young guys. So for me, no. And, and, and another thing, too, is you're trying to preserve that cap space coming up in the next year or two. And if you do get John Wall, you basically it's, it's impossible to keep that cap space. Because even if you, you know, wave him, cut him, stretch him, whatever it might be, you're going to owe him so much money. He's only going to give back so much. And he's owed, what, $45 million this year? So I don't really see how that how that works out for either side, to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't – I don't even know if the Rockets can give up first-round picks. Don't they owe picks in the Russell Wilson – or in the Russell Wilson? I'm still on the NFL. <laughs> in the Russell Westbrook uh, trade. I feel like they are still owing for that. I, I don't have their, you know, their future picks up right now, but they're kind of strapped – from what I can see, and a buyout is really the only way to make that happen, uh, you know, to move John Wall to where he wants to go. I don't know who would want a point guard who is injury prone, not necessarily old, but not necessarily young. You know, he's pretty far removed from being the John Wall that we remember throwing down one-handed dunks uh, with Bradley Beal. Still, I have to say, still the greatest High school mixtape of all time. John Without Wall. A doubt. No matter what, yeah. he'll, have he'll always have that. Yeah, that is an insane video. <laughs> him, that him and Sam so McGuffey. To this day. <laughs> Shout out Sam McGuffey. For, if we're talking football, that was the greatest football highlight video. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Mike. No, and no, aside. no. That's okay. Um, I just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, I mean, if you're getting an unprotected first, which again, I don't even know if Houston can do because their current uh, their current pick situations in flux to say the least because of the flurry of trades they've had to make trying to find a partner for um, James Harden. Plus, from the Pistons side, it is going to impact Killing Hayes and Kate Cunningham. That is a guy that wants to play for a winning team, presumably, and he's not. Um, and as as fun and as young as Killian Hayes and Kate Cunningham are, that's not going to appeal to John Wall, really. Um, he doesn't fit the timeline. He's too expensive. To me, to me, 
this is uh, Troy Weaver maybe sticking his head into the room and saying if he can be the third team to help facilitate something and maybe he gets a piece or two out of it um, to help another team get John Wall, a team that needs him. The Heat doesn't make sense. I mean, maybe the Clippers make sense. They've had so many issues figuring out playmaking and they would still be figuring it out, figuring it out. And, you know, if Reggie Jackson had not somehow turned back the clock a couple of years and they're going to be without Kawhi Leonard. So maybe they're looking for another bigger name, bigger player that they could throw in there with Paul George um, in the, in the meantime, it doesn't make sense for the, for the Pistons to me. It, it just, it doesn't fit the timeline. It's too expensive. And I don't, you know, I just don't see it. I don't even think they can do it financially. They have too much dead cap. And like, unless you're trading Jeremy Grant and guys like Killian Hayes and Hamid Diallo to like somehow make the money work. Like John Wall's contract is over 44 million coming in. So the Pistons would have to, you know, somehow make that work financially and they just don't have the the available money to do so. So I don't, I don't see how, uh, how that would happen. Now that the Pistons were wanting to make a deal with the Rockets and wanted to bring back Kyrie Thomas would not be opposed to that. Yeah, I swear to God, I played a, I, I I turned on NBA 2k 22 and I I was playing actually my micro guy got drafted to the Rockets and all of a sudden I had Kyrie Thomas passing me the ball and I'm like, what the hell is going on? When did Kyrie Thomas become a Houston Rocket? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, I mean, hey, shout out John Wall, the, the guy who answers the question, what if Derrick Rose was twice as expensive and twice as injury prone? So, oh, wow. I, right? Like, I, I just don't need that. Wow. So I, there's, there's no need for that in Detroit right now. Shout out to him. You know, great player in his prime. I hope things work out for him, but kind of like ben simmons right now i i hope things work out but not in detroit so oh do we want to talk about that for a second you're you don't want it you don't want the pistons to touch ben simmons me no i it doesn't make sense to me Hmm. what do you think mike Uh, i mean i think i think almost every team should at least inquire and see i mean he is he's a flawed player for sure but he's also an elite defender and an excellent playmaker. And if you have the correct pieces around him to supplement what he can already do, I mean, I don't see why several teams should be, you know, taking a a look at him. That just, every team should be doing their due diligence. Yeah, I agree. But like, what's it going to cost you if you're Detroit? Well, it's a lot less now than like two weeks ago. Yeah. But even then that's, that's still going to cost you a, a first round pick probably next year's first round pick. It's going to cost you Jeremy Grant. It's probably also going to cost you another young player. Like it's going to cost you Sadiq Bay or Killian Hayes or Isaiah Stewart. And I don't think yeah. that that's worth it. I think I, I just don't see that. that that level. And, and like, I, and like, I like Ben Simmons and I think he's being very unfairly maligned and obviously his trade value is not what it was, but like, even with his trade value, not being what it was, he's going to cost you more then makes sense for this team's timeline. I, I, I look at it like this. What would I rather have? Ben Simmons or next year's cap space and Jeremy Grant and, and uh, Sadiq Bey and Paolo Banchero. And for me, that's not, it, it's obvious. Like, that's what I want. I, I would rather have my first round pick in next year's absolutely dro- loaded draft class that goes like, what, seven, eight deep? So for me, that doesn't make sense. Just, just from a t- timeline and an and asset perspective. But hey, if you could get him for Jeremy Grant and mm, one first round pick, maybe then I think about it. Yeah, then I actually would do it for sure. Like, because then you're talking about a guard rotation of, of Killian Hayes, Kate Cunningham, uh, and, and um, Ben Simmons. And you're talking about, I mean, an unbelievable defensive upside there, like best in the league defense. So it just would depend. It would depend on the price tag. I just think the price tag is going to be too high, even with his reduced trade value. Yeah. I think it's going to be too high as well, Um, but it is falling. And, and I'm not advocating to trade Sadiq Bay or, or Killian Hayes. And I don't, I don't really think that 
Well, I'm not sure about Killian Hayes' trade value, but I'm sure given his injuries and his ineffective play so far, the Sixers, you know, they're not even looking for that. They're definitely looking for Jeremy Grant. And then they're probably looking for Sadiq Bay after that since he fits a shooting role that they could plug in immediately. And well, you'd have to you'd have to trade Grant just from a salary perspective. Right. You have to. Yeah. So there's no way you're getting a trade done without Jeremy Grant being a part of it. And then I also look at it from the Sixers perspective where it's like, does that necessarily – I don't know. I just think like Grant and Harris and – like and and Embiid, like yeah, I know, like all three of those guys can space the floor, but it's just a lot of like, eh, you just got a lot of big dudes there. I don't know if that works. I just don't know if that works. Yeah, Plus I don't. Have I, don't Stiebel, think it works. I don't know. So, I do like Matisse Thybul, but I do too. There, yeah, it just. I'm not advocating to trade those players either, but I think you should do the due diligence because his value is going to continue to fall and. He's going to continue to be, you know, a dark stain on that team, uh, especially if he's not going to show up. And, you know, maybe the Sixers calls bluff and say, all right, fine, whatever. Don't don't come to camp. We'll find you. And, you know, he seems fine with being fined, which which is, you know, that's whatever. Um, I think that maybe you just have to see what the asking price is and keep checking in. I don't necessarily think that the Pistons need him. I think that I think they're really in the best position to stay the course acquire your draft picks, watch your current young guys progress and see where it goes and see, see what you need to fill in um, to make the pieces whole. But, you know, I don't, I don't mind poking around seeing what you can get, um, you know, for Ben Simmons Mm -hmm. or rather what you can give up Aaron. I'm just going to bring up one other name that is not on the trading block whatsoever, but he's always being talked about. At least he's showing up on my Twitter feeds that I would absolutely love the Pistons to get. And again, there's like legitimately a 0% chance of this happening, but RJ Barrett is someone that I would really like to see on this Pistons team. I know it's a random name. I know the Pistons already have some forwards or, you know, some two, three, fours, whatever wing guys, but RJ Barrett is someone that I would be really interested in Detroit acquiring. Um, I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out there since we started talking about different training for different guys, but Going back to Ben Simmons, it's like, yeah, I would be interested in Ben Simmons. He would do some good things for Detroit, but ultimately the price is just going to end up being too high. Even at what it is right now, you're still going to get outbid by a team that has the financial flexibility and the young players and draft capital that they're willing to give up where you're probably a little bit more reluctant considering the spot that you're in as a franchise. Yeah. I mean, unless, of course, you can also bring Andre Drummond back with Ben Simmons. <laughs> then, then all bets are off. <laughs> then all bets are off. Okay. Um, good little uh, sidebar there. Um, speaking of trades, and we will go through this quick because I went over it with Tim, allegedly, uh, and then it never happened. It never hit the, the airwaves. The Pistons did trade Sekou Dumboya uh, and Jalil Okafor. They traded to Brooklyn earlier. Uh, last month was it earlier this this month. Earlier Either this way. month, it was still Early, September, I believe. Earlier oh, by the this way, month, yes. To the editor, can we have the uh, the the song from Fast and Furious, the one where Paul Walker drives off the one? It's been a long day without you, my friend. Can we have you that just playing? Ask over this? Aaron. Aaron is the Ask Aaron. <laughs> yeah, Aaron. Can we put that over after this one? The say when Sacred Boy is leaving. Can we like edit a YouTube video where he's in like the Paul Walker car and then Vin Diesel's kiss hang goodbye to him? I don't know. I think he just... needs to play the he needs to play the radio segment of Sacred Dumboya posterizing Tristan Thompson into the floor because after oh. that it's pretty much been downhill since that exact moment. So long, um, sweet prince. So the Pistons traded Sekou. Guys, is it was it too soon to give up on Sekou Dumboya? You want me to go first on this one, Jasper? Yes. Yeah, I, I need yeah. to hear what you're going to say, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, there's going to be people, and I, I know we're talking about this like three weeks late, but there's going to be people that say, the, well, uh, Detroit got four second-round picks as well. You're not talking about that. Well, I mean, you got to talk about those second-round picks. Troy Weaver acquires and trades second-round picks like – 
They're nothing. He doesn't care about them. So I, if Troy Weaver does not care about second round picks, I'm not going to care about second round picks. They're going to be picks that are not going to be used. They're going to be used on guys like Balsa Koprovica and Davida Servitas, draft and stash guys that probably aren't ever going to be meaningful NBA players. And you're taking on $16 million of dead cap space when just to get rid of the one player that you didn't have on your, you didn't draft, you didn't sign, you didn't trade for. Seku had a couple nice games in summer league uh, before having to leave the team to deal with personal issues or personal whatever. I just don't understand why the Pistons and why Troy Weaver specifically was so adamant on giving up on Seku Naboya so quickly. Um, no one's going to act like Seku's first two seasons in the league were all sunshine and roses, but let's also not act like he was a complete nightmare. Like he showcased his moments and he was also not put in great situations in both of the two seasons he had in the NBA. His first season was cut short due to a global pandemic. His first year in the country and he played for a not so good team when he wasn't supposed to be up with the main team. He was supposed to be with the G league when Seiko Naboya was drafted. The talk was, this is a project player. This is a guy that's going to spend a lot of time in the G League. You're not going to see him on the main roster much in his first year. Heck, you may not even see him up on the main roster much in his second year. This is a guy that did, did not pick up the sport of basketball at a super young age. He picked it up, up a little bit later in life, and he was sent up to the main roster immediately because it was apparent that the Pistons were not good enough to be a playoff team. There were going to be minutes for him. There was going to be opportunity for him. And a lot of that opportunity after a strong first week, two weeks with the team was him taking less of a a workload, standing in the corner, being asked to be a spot up shooter. And in year two, he didn't have a G league team to ever go down with. So if he ever was struggling and just needed an opportunity to maybe go gain some confidence He didn't have a G League team to go down with and play with because the Pistons, who had one of the youngest, most inexperienced rosters in the NBA, decided against having a G League team. He was put in an awful spot, and it seemed like, quite frankly, Dwayne Casey and Sekou Naboya didn't have a great working relationship. Those two just – Dwayne Casey didn't seem to really care about developing Sekou Naboya the way that – Casey and the Pistons cared about getting opportunities for Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, all those different young guys. And it, I'm just, it, it frustrates me that Seku was given up on so early and the odds of him turning into a major player, like are very slim at this point, but the Pistons did him such a disservice in the way that they spent his first two years in the league in terms of player development and, uh, to trade him and have to take on $16 million worth of dead money, just it doesn't really make sense. The second-round picks mean nothing. We see those get tossed around on draft night. They're, they can be bought for a couple million dollars. I mean, the Pistons essentially bought four second-round picks for $16 million, the way I see it. I, I just I don't love the trade. I'm, that's uh, tr- This, this offseason, I mean, I've talked about, the signings, you know, Trey Lyles, Kelly Olynyk, trading Seku. I just haven't loved all the moves Troy Weaver has made. I'd be more than happy to be proved wrong. I know I was skeptical skeptical of the signings like Jeremy Grant, the trading of Mason or the signing of Mason Plumley, and he proved me wrong with those moves. And those guys both turned out to be good players and impact players in Detroit. But this year just has seemed a little bit different. And the Seku trade is just another one of those moves that has me scratching my head a little bit. Yeah, I, look, that's a good point about Dwayne Casey, I think, because a lot of it gets put on, gets put on Troy Weaver. But, yeah, Dwayne Casey – I mean, look, Dwayne Casey seems more interested in getting Seku Demboya a girlfriend than getting him playing time. Um, and I think that when you have a player where both the head coach and the front office are out on him, uh, it's going to be really, really hard for that guy to succeed, even if you do have a G League team, even if you do have playing time available for him. And I, let me leave it at this. 
I feel largely the same way you did, Aaron. For me, it did, it made so little sense to make this trade that like when I saw it announced, I literally looked up who Sekou Dumboy's agent was because I was like, is this a Mason Plumley situation where you're doing this as a favor to the agent? You know what I mean? Like, and and for what it's worth, I don't think this was a a favor uh, to Sekou Dumboy's agent or anything like that. Like, I think it was just a matter of they didn't want this guy on the roster because they didn't draft him. Even though Dwayne Casey was there when Seiko was drafted. So it's like, you have to question that as well. Um, I don't know. I don't really get how Seiko Dumboy is gone, but the guy who drafted him and Ed Stefanski's still there. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah, it's it just like, I think you put it well. You basically just spent $16 million to acquire four draft picks that you don't care about. And I, I don't see how getting rid of Seku was such a priority that you couldn't have just kept him on the roster this year, sent him down to the G League, done something else. I, why couldn't you have just waived his contract? Honestly, it would, it would have cost you less. And I get that they wanted to get Jaleel Okafor off the roster as well, because then they could convert Luca Garza's contract to a full-time contract. But unless I'm not doing the numbers right, they could have cut him and Jaleel Okafor, and it would have cost them less than it did to waive, uh, to, to waive um, DeAndre Jordan. So I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Aaron. For me, this doesn't really make sense. I'm not saying that this is like a huge deal because obviously at this point in his career, Seiko Deboya has not shown consistently that he is even an NBA rotation player, but he's also still 20 years old. I don't even think he's 21 yet. And giving up on him in this manner and taking on money when you didn't really need to to me, just doesn't really make sense. Um, I'm not going to dwell on it. It's not going to be one of those things that's going to make me be like, fire Dwayne Casey, uh, fire Troy Weaver. But like, I definitely think in the same way that like we questioned the Trey Lyles signing, I think it's worth questioning this because for all the good things Troy Weaver has done, GMs make mistakes. And eventually, you have to take the entirety of their tenure into account, not just one or two good signings at the beginning of it. So I think overall, Troy Weaver's done a really good job, but I do think, like you said, Aaron, this is one of those things that this offseason has not really made a lot of sense to me. And hopefully we will be wrong, but as of right now, mm, I just don't really get it. So It's also not like the Pistons had a power forward waiting in the wings that Seku was going to stand in the way of like, yeah, they're going to be your starting or backup center. And yes, he can play some minutes at the four, but he's going to also need, he's going to have to play time at the center spot. And it's like, you had to get Seku off the roster so you could open up minutes for Trey Lyles. Like just, I think the Seku trade for me was even worse when all it did was clear the way for Trey Lyles, a signing that I am nowhere near excited about. That's the guy that's going to get the minutes that in my head would have gone to Seku. Look, maybe, and I'll say this, maybe they think Isaiah Stewart can play a little bit of four. I don't, but maybe they do. And they're willing to say, Hey, Jeremy Grant gets the majority of the minutes at the four spots to at the three. And, you know, Kelly Olynyk plays both the four and the five. Isaiah Stewart plays both the four and the five. But the problem there is that, like, if one of those guys goes down, you are so, so weak at the forward position. And you have so little depth at the four and the five that you're going to basically be forced to play a ton of small ball. And maybe they want to do that, but I don't know. For me, it just leaves me with more questions about this roster than before. And yeah, so again, I'm not going to dwell on this. This is not like a fire Troy Weaver thing, but like I have to question, I have to question the intent. And I'm going to try to reel us back in here as we have not gone very quickly on this, on this topic and, and we still have another one to get to. But um, when we looked at the trade initially, 
well, when I did with Tim, I thought, yeah, you know, that's, that's fine. I mean, it is what it is. Maybe a change of scenery was needed. And Troy Weaver wants to get guys that he drafted and, you know, guys that he felt confident in. And it's important to know that we don't know the full story. I mean, there were, there were inklings from local reporting that Seku didn't have the best motor. He didn't have the best disposition about practicing. He didn't have the best, you know, mannerisms. And, you know, there could be things behind the scenes that impacted that. Mm-hmm. He's, he was not in any position to demand a trade. Obviously, that's not how it goes. But, you know, there could have been things happening behind the curtain that made it very obvious that he needed to be moved. And, you know, I, I genuinely hope it works out. He's in a good position with a very star-studded team and his good buddy, Bruce Brown. <laughs> um, it, is, it is fair to question the move because he is so young and he was given very little opportunity especially with the G league, not being a, a, a possibility, but it just felt like it needed to happen. And I'm going to play devil's advocate because you guys are both on the, on the side of, yeah, that was a bad, I, you know, a bad move, but I want to just add in the caveat that we don't always know what happens behind the scenes and players, emotions and motors and, and whatnot that definitely plays into it. And if they saw something in him that just felt like it was going to be an uphill battle, then, you know, I, I think not to use a Sixers uh, mannerism, but trusting the process. I mean, mm-hmm. Troy Weaver's made enough good decisions now that I think, you know, we owe him the benefit of the doubt for, for now. I mean, if Seku comes out and starts playing like gangbusters for the Nets, then, yeah, maybe a bad move was made. But uh, until then, I, I think we just have to be in wait and see mode and, it's interesting. The, the paying for four second round draft picks is an interesting concept. We didn't go over that when I talked to Tim, but you know, second round draft picks are still pretty valuable. I mean, I know they're Brooklyn Nets second round picks, and I don't know, if, I don't know where those other second round picks were coming from off the top of my head. But we we have seen teams move back into the first round using a bunch of second round picks. We have used, or we have seen teams move, you know, a little bit farther up into the second to get guys they want and. I guess it's just more of a wait and see type of thing, but it's disappointing to, you know, to give up on such a young guy that we all thought had quite a bit of potential that just needed time. And now the Pistons were not willing to give him that time. Mike, I, it's actually funny. I do believe that two of those second round picks were the Pistons own second round picks that they got traded back to them as part of the Sadiq Bay deal. Um, Oh, okay. I do believe that's the case. And I, I look, I think you said it well. We don't know everything that's happening behind the scenes. And this might have been a move that Dwayne Casey and Troy Weaver both agreed needed to happen. And yeah, like I said, it's not a major deal. And I'm hoping that, yeah, there was more to it. But in a vacuum, I didn't care for it. And, and I will sure. say this. The other thing also, lastly, is that cut it, getting rid of DeAndre Jordan does eat into your cap space for next year. It's not yeah. a ton of cap space, but it does, I believe, take four and a half million dollars off the table for you next eight. season. So eight. eight million. Jeez. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. it's not 7. like you can off, it's yeah, it's not like you can offset that with the money the Nets sent you. So, you know, you went from being able to potentially sign a player to to basically close to a max contract to now just having, I believe, twenty-two million dollars of cap space. So again, it's not like the end of the world, but I do think that there are there are questions that need to be asked of it just from that perspective alone. Sure. Sure. Okay. Now All let's right. never Good. speak about Seku Dumboya again. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, fellas. Well, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, training camp is right around the corner. I really can't believe it's already here. It still feels like the Bucks won their championship like three or four weeks ago. Um, but here we are. Training camp is starting. Um, there is a lot to get to. Uh, but I think one of the things we talked about before the podcast is a very interesting topic and uh, maybe the most important one with all these young guys and, um, you know, the copious amounts of injuries that were dealt with last year is which player has the most to prove in camp. And I think that's a good question. There is a glut of young guys trying to make their way, uh, trying to carve out a role. Um, Jasper, which, which player do you think has the most to prove 
in training camp. Well, Mike, I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit here and I'm, I'm actually going to just say, I think it's the three shooting guards. I, for me, it's Frank Jackson, Hamadou Diallo and Josh Jackson, because all three of those players have made a strong case last year to get a good amount of playing time, perhaps even be the starter at the two this season. But on the other hand, you know, if they don't come out of this training camp proving themselves, I could see any one of those, you know, probably not Hamadou because they, they did just sign him, but like it could spell the end of one of those guys in Detroit, even though two of them just resigned new contracts. So for me, it's that, that backup shooting guard position. Those three guys have a lot to prove, and, and they all have very different things that they bring to the team. Josh Jackson's more of that isolation scorer. Hamadou Diallo's more of that off-ball slasher. Uh, Frank Jackson's more of a shooter. So all three of them, in, in my opinion, have very different skill sets, very different things that they bring to the team, and all of them really have to show that they're deserving of significant playing time this year because with both Cade Cunningham and Killian Hayes in the fold, I there's limited minutes at that backup two-guard position. And, and with Sadiq Bey and Jeremy Grant potentially both sharing the three spot, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room. So if one of those guys comes out in training camp and really distances themselves from the others, I think that it's really going to have a big impact on what these rotations look like, especially at the beginning of the season. And since Josh Jackson's a unrestricted free agent next year, and both Hamadou Diallo and uh, Frank Jackson have, have team options, yeah, this is a big training camp. It's a big training camp for, for all three of those guys. Yeah. Uh, I, I had mentioned the glut. That's kind of the glut that I was uh... – referring to there there's a, a lot to weed out and and see how roles are are going to be made uh Aaron we had talked we we kind of have uh the same the same player that has a lot to prove in training camp don't we yeah we do and that's that's Killian Hayes uh look there's no question that Killian Hayes had enough much like I know Jasper said let's never talk about him again but <laughs> Killian Hayes had much like say Kunaboya and a very abnormal rookie season was a shorter rookie season. He got injured seven games in, and he only played 26 total games. Uh, he then went into summer league, and he played – I think he only ended up playing two games because he got hurt when he took a dive on the floor. Um, but this is a big training camp for Killian Hayes. The Pistons just drafted Cade Cunningham, who a lot of NBA draft personnel believe can be and might be his best position, a point guard. So there's going to be pressure on Killian Hayes. There's been all this talk already about can Killian Hayes and Kate Cunningham coexist? Do they fit together? Will they be able to play together? Is Kate Cunningham coming to take Killian Hayes' starting point guard spot? So there's going to be pressure on Killian Hayes, whether it's fair or not. Hayes is just 20 years old. He just turned 20 years old uh, back in July. So he is very young and he's only had 26 NBA games under his belt, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on him right away to come out and show improvement in terms of, is he confident? Can he shoot the ball still in summer league? There were times where he looked very awkward shooting the three point shot. I think he looked a lot better in set situations rather than pulling up off the dribble off balance type shots, but he's going to have to be able to make those in the NBA. So does he look more comfortable? Is he a more capable three-point shooter? Is he protecting the ball better? I mean, this is a guy that we we talk about how special his passing is. His vision so, you know, special. And he did average five and a half assists per game last season, but he also averaged over three turnovers. So is he taking care of the ball? Is he more confident? Is he, you know, being a floor general in that sense? You know he's going to give you a competitive drive. You know he's going to bring you a high level of defensive intensity, both on the ball and off the ball. But what is he doing for you offensively? How is he impacting the game on that side of the court? And seeing how he fits alongside Kane Cunningham. Is he facilitating for him? Is he making those three-pointers that get swung to him when Kate Cunningham is, you know, ball, handling the basketball and attacking the rim? Those are important things that – 
we're going to have to see improvement from for Killian Hayes to reach his potential, to help the Pistons reach their potential, because we've spent, on this podcast at least, a lot of time talking about just how impressive the Killian Hayes and and Kate Cunningham backcourt can be defensively, the potential that that has. But offensively, those two have to be able to coexist, and that's going to start with Killian Hayes being a more rounded offensive option for the Pistons and training camp will be Dwayne Casey and the rest of the team's first look at really how those two will gel since their couple of games in summer league back in the beginning of August. Yeah, we, we talked super briefly, but Killian Hayes for me is also the one with the most to prove. He has Kate Cunningham back there. He's got his backcourt running mate now and we're going to have to see how they gel. And you said it best. The offense is going to be really where he needs to take some leaps. Um, I, I pulled up his information on cleaning the glass here just to, just to give it a look. I hadn't, I hadn't searched it for a while. He had an effective field goal percentage of 39.5%, which is in the zeroth percentile Ay, Dios mio. for, for uh, other, other guards. He's in the uh, Nico Mannion, um, tier he's actually five spots below him so his effective field goal percentage was pretty poor he shot pretty poorly at the rim he didn't get to the rim very much even he took most of his shots from the short mid-range and then really from the mid-range in general um some some of that stuff has got to improve and i remember us talking about it when he was first playing before he was injured um it seems like when he take somebody on one-on-one there's just a lack of moves to get him to the rim. And that's probably why his, you know, 35% of all of his shot attempts came from the short mid because he was unable to get any farther. Um, So he needs to, he needs to develop that a little bit more and no having other shooters around him will help and having other good players around him will help to open things up a little bit. He shot 39% at the rim. That's in the seventh percentile. Uh, not super good. The long mid, 21%. He shot 39% on all mid-range uh, shots. And he was not a very good three-point shooter. He was a 27% three-point shooter, which is, again, in the zero-width percentile, right below Alfred Payton. Um, so there, there is a lot offensively that is left to be desired for Killian Hayes. And he's super young. I don't like when we say he's got the most to prove, I don't think that we mean he's got the most to prove and that if he, if he starts off poorly, he's on the, you know, he's on the chopping block. He was injured. He dealt with quite a bit of change through a COVID, um, you know, through like a, a COVID campaign. And we just have to see how, how he looks. And we don't need these numbers to drastically improve, you know, into the 90th percentile. We just need some steady improvements. And, Honestly, just seeing him take more jumpers and seeing him get to the rim a little bit more would be would be growth in my book. Yeah, I think, Mike, I, I think that's a good point. Like, you know, in a lot of those mid-range shots, I think it's also important to, like, note what kind of shots they were. Uh, a lot of them were floaters, and a lot of them were kind of those, like, be, like you said, because he couldn't get to the rim as much as he wanted to, a lot of them were, like, fadeaways off the glass, um, from like go basically like because he couldn't get around people, he had to to shoot it from the side essentially. And I actually thought he looked pretty good with those shots, but those aren't shots that you want your point guard to be taking consistently. You want those to be things that are kind of like lag rather than the only thing I can do in order to get a shot up. So I, you know, I hear what you guys are saying. And obviously Killian does have a lot to prove, but for me, I think he has more to prove in the regular season. I I think training camp wise, not much is going to change for him. I I think he's probably locked into that starting, you know, one, two, whatever he and Kate are going to be at at the guard positions. And, And I really think it's the regular season where he's going to have to prove himself because yeah, I mean, we know the passing's there. We know the defense is there. 
can he score against NBA defenders? That's, that's really the question. And if the answer is no, then there's a lot, lot more questions that are going to come up really fast. Yeah. Um, and I get what you're saying. I was kind of jumping the gun a little bit on, on my who has the most proven training camp. I agree. He's going to have much more uh, of a leash to play and get better than maybe mm-hmm. some of those other guards are because they are going to be, you know, Dwayne Casey's going to be probably going with the hot hand and whoever has the hottest hand, the longest is probably going to secure a lot of those minutes and Killian will probably, you know, he's more than likely going to be fine as long as he's not injured. So I get that. I, I was kind of thinking also beyond training camp and into the season of mm-hmm. growth, but, but you're right. Um, because those other three guys, you were determining rotations and things like that. They, they certainly have maybe a little bit more riding on it in terms of that. Oh, I love it when you say I'm right, Mike, just, just say that all the time. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've, <laughs> I have not been able to do that. I didn't actually know how to, how to say it because my, my, my brain was unsure of how to string the words together. I've, I've done it so infrequently, it. but, but I yeah. I get it, Mike. <laughs> I get it. I'm very intimidating. I understand. <laughs> Intellectually speaking, of course. And I was very intimidated <laughs> if you saw Tim on the pod and was like, uh-uh, ain't uh-huh. happening. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it goes both ways. Tim, um, you thought, you thought, Tim, not in my house. <laughs> Uh, right um okay keeping in line with training camp um the training camp invites said at the top of the show anthony tark Marco pickett Derek walton jr guys any of those training camp invites you think has a legitimate chance of making this roster oh say it scream it from the rooftops with me jamarco let's go i i'm a big jamarco pickett fan I also want to call him Jamarco Pickett, but it's Jamarco, unfortunately. It is, yes. It's, it, I make that mistake so many times. Yeah, I, that's the guy I'm really looking at. I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm just like a sucker for summer league performances, but I really saw something there. And I think it's very unlikely that he ends up being on the Pistons roster to start the season. I think he's pretty much a lock for the G League. But – that is the dude I, if somebody on there has a shot at making the opening day roster, if someone on there has the upside for more, I think it's Jamorco Pickett. And, and that's the guy I'm really rooting for more than anyone else. I think you're right that Pickett has the greatest chance. I'll play doubles advocate for Anthony Tark. This is a guy that last season at Coppin State averaged a combined four and a half steals and blocks per game last season he doesn't shoot the ball very well from beyond the arc but he's super athletic he's long he makes an impact defensively and for at Coppin State he made an impact in every facet of the game 16 points almost four assists per game almost nine rebounds a game like I already mentioned two blocks two and a half steals a game I don't think he's got a great shot but I think he's going to come in and like you know how the Pistons and Dwayne Casey always talk about that compete level that's something that Anthony Tark uh, does well and I think that that's something that could stand out in training camp and it maybe gives him an outside shot uh, of making the Pistons roster at the very least ending up with the Motor City Cruise Mike who so do you want? Nothing, nothing for Derek Walton Jr. The Michigan man um, Too many point guards on the roster unfortunately Yeah, yeah where's the, no, where's the spot for him? Where's the spot right. for him? They need, they need more help at that four four position, you know. Like they they really need some help with those forwards. So for me, it's it's probably that. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I want to say. I actually earlier I was saying like, oh, what happens if if Stewart or um, Kelly Olynyk go down? The the answer is Luca Garza right there. And and I actually do have to say that because he is now fully on the roster. So yep. I I do have to correct myself and. Um, I, as much as I'm rooting for the guy, I certainly hope we don't see very much of him this year. Crazy that it, it, it has come to this with Luca Garza to where he's on a standard contract. Whereas after he was drafted, the, the talk around him was, you know, does he have a chance to make the Pistons roster? Like 
is he going to make it through training camp? And now he's got a standard contract going into training camp. That just shows you what a, a good week in, in Las Vegas can do for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, we've seen this before across the league of guys turning uh, a, a good summer league performance into a standard contract. And a lot of those guys uh, are obliterated into the ether and we never see them again. But as Jasper said, hoping, hoping for the best. But if, if we see a lot of Luke Garza, that means the Pistons are doing a lot of losing by a lot or someone's hurt. Yes. Okay. Uh, heading into training camp. This is going to be our last topic for the training camp preview. Looking at lineups, the starting lineup heading into training camp. We've probably touched on this several different times across the pod just in passing. But what do we think the starting lineup is going to be heading into training camp? I would okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate because I think the the desired lineup is Killian Hayes, Kate Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant, and uh, Isaiah Stewart. I'll play devil's advocate and say that it'll be Killian Hayes, Kate Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant, and Kelly Olinick. Uh, I'm gonna say this because of a couple of reasons. We know that Dwayne Casey loves to play veterans we know how much uh the extent at which he will go to play an older guy over a younger guy in any possible scenario i think the pistons are also going to be rather cautious with isaiah stewart's ankle injury that has been kept incredibly incredibly quiet Mm. over the offseason and stewart was wearing a boot like into the summer like past the end of summer league so it wasn't just like a little bump if he was in a boot that long. I don't know exactly when the boot came off. I'm assuming it is by now. Um, but just them being cautious, at least at the beginning of the year with Isaiah Stewart, uh, I I don't know. I, I just I could very much see Kelly Olynyk being the starting five. While I would much rather have it be Isaiah Stewart, I'll play devil's advocate and say Kelly Olynyk will be the difference maker in the starting lineup. I hey the devil loves company, man. I'm I'm with you on that, Aaron. I, I think it'll be Kelly Olenek, even though I do really like Isaiah Stewart and and what he could potentially bring to this starting lineup. I think you have to go with, and I, I'm not even just like saying this as like what I think Dwayne Casey will do. I think you kind of do have to go with Kelly Olenek because you're paying him 13 million dollars a year. He's the proven veteran option. He can shoot. And, and we know this, like we don't have the track record with Isaiah Stewart as much. And when you think about that front court and the back court combined, what they kind of need from each other, I believe that somebody like Kelly Olenek, at least in the short term, helps out guys like Killian Hayes, helps out guys like Cade Cunningham a little bit more as they're trying to get their footing in the NBA, especially in the pick and roll and like pick and pop situations, especially when it comes to standing in the corner and shooting on closeouts, isolation situations. Don't forget, Kate Cunningham's going to post up this season. It's going to happen. So having a guy like, like Kelly Olenek who can kind of clear out and stand in the corner, that's going to be good for their development. So yeah, while I do think Isaiah Stewart is probably at some point going to get an extended run with the starting lineup. I, I do think that at least to start this year, like you said, Cade Cunningham, Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant, and Kelly Olenek. Uh, lastly, I do want to actually say though, Jackson Frank wrote a really great article on Isaiah Stewart's defense and his upside. I believe two days ago, if people are looking to see kind of like what the best case scenario is when it comes, I'm sizing and what he can bring to this team. I highly recommend they go check it out. I really liked it. I've been on record as saying I'm not convinced that he's going to be an above average NBA starter. But if you if you look at the good things that he can bring to this roster, there's definitely a path for him there. And uh, yeah, while I I'm hoping he gets to that level for right now, when you have two really young, inexperienced guards in the backcourt you need that veteran fret presence in the front court you need the guy who's going to be like hey 
defensively, you need to step up here. Offensively, you need to go around the pick this way. You need to do that. You can't just have everybody learning on the fly. You, you need to have some stability in that lineup, and, and Kelly Olenek will provide that for him. He's played on good teams, and he's played significant roles on good teams. So, yeah, that's, that's how I look at it as well, Aaron. Fellas, that's good stuff. Um, we can close on Carl Anthony Towns tweeting out WTF. <laughs> yeah, I saw at that. The, at the firing of Gerson Rosas. So, Mike, do you are you suggesting that maybe the Timberwolves organization is somewhat dysfunctional? I am glad the Timberwolves and the Kings exist because that means the Cavs are not the most dysfunctional organization in the NBA. I, so I, for one, I'm cannot thankful. believe – I, for one, cannot believe that a team with Alex Rodriguez on it, uh, involved in it, is is courting uh, dysfunction and controversy. That, that to me, is shocking. Yeah, that, right. That could never happen. The, <laughs> the man, the man who's blasted several hundred home runs and then goes on to MLB TV and says players should stop hitting home runs and bunt instead. Yes, let's <laughs> let him lead the search Dude. for another. He's the man. Which it appears that they are going to at least on an interim basis, have a Sashin. I'm sorry, I butchered the name, but I think it's Sashin Gupta is going to be leading the charge to find Gersas Rosa, Gerson Rosas' replacement in Minnesota. So let the trade packages roll for Carl Anthony Towns. Um, this just all seems like it's going to bubble up into a, they're trading for Ben Simmons and they're giving up way too much and, mm. That's that just feels like how it's going to be, uh, mm. un, 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 unfortunately. Maybe Rosas didn't want to give up you know, D'Angelo Russell or somebody for Ben Simmons and someone else in the front organ, you know, in the front office said, Yes, maybe we are. he said, No, you aren't. And they maybe A Rod, uh, maybe A Rod thought that he was getting too much good press from uh, the Minnesota, Minnesota beat writers and got jealous, just like he did of Derek Jeter. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Uh, maybe they tried to date the same girl. Who knows? It's entirely, it's entirely possible. Entirely mm-hmm. possible. Well, I, Jake Fisher also reported that the Wolves are enamored with Elton Brand. So maybe they're going to just trade for yes! and Elton Brand. And just bring Let's them both go. Over. Oh, God. <laughs> I love the NBA. We're back, baby. Yes, Who else Tim can they bring was, uh, in? They can bring a, in. Uh, hmm. What's Vlade? What's Vlade Divac up to? absolutely nothing is what he's up to. oh for now (laughs) he's up to absolutely nothing yeah he's currently he's currently up up to nothing and you know this this is the organization that got rid of uh their head coach and then immediately hired one about a half hour later so nothing goes uh nothing goes smoothly for the timberwolves aaron Uh, but i thought it was worthy aaron this is where you edit in the yakety sacks soundbite (laughs) You overestimate my editing abilities, my friend. <laughs> yeah, you better hope he doesn't edit you out of the podcast entirely for asking about <laughs> <all> this stuff. <laughs> hey, just have the editor do it. Meanwhile, yeah. me, the actual editor. Uh, yeah, fine. I wanted to preserve his. Yeah, my uh, el- Jasper sitting in his ivory tower with his uh, mm-hmm. all of his jokes and all his uh, Rihanna puns, and it's like yeah. editor do. Chris, please. <laughs> That's right. I wanted to preserve the illusion. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, let's have the, the, the producer is going to take care of this. Don't worry, guys. I'll, I'll be right on the phone with our station manager, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, fellas, it was great to be back in podcasting, and it's nice to end on a light note like that after we got through quite a bit of information. Uh, a lot has happened to the Pistons last time we were all uh, together and fellas, I don't mean to alarm you, but the NBA season is really, really, really close. In Media the same amount of Monday. time, Media Day on Monday. I mean, it's it's here, and training camp follows on Tuesday. Sit forward, it's crazy. And you're like I'm really getting into some heavy stuff. Uh, it's it's coming quickly, and we hope all of you uh, listeners will be here to join us as well as we get set for another season of Detroit Pistons basketball with Cade Cunningham this time uh, at the helm. And that should be a lot of fun and keep it to palaceofpistons.com as well. We're going to have a lot of season preview content coming for you with training camp on the way. 
uh, and quickly the regular season after that. So for Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia, I am Mike Angolano. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. Again, thank you to our sponsor, Bet Online. You can head, head on over to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today with promo code NFL100 and get a 100% welcome bonus, doubling your initial deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Once again, thank you for listening. We will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.